All right, we're in our series called The Way, and we are we're just moving right along. And I want to I want to start off in a verse in Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 16. So if you're following along, you got your Bible, you can follow along with us. We've read this scripture earlier in this series, but it says, thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Anybody looking for some of that rest? Would you like some peace for your soul? You know, the, the scriptures talk about the ancient paths and we've been connecting those ideas back to this, this idea of walking with Jesus, becoming a disciple of Jesus, ancient pathways, spiritual disciplines, we talked a lot about these three words. You guys are probably tired of hearing me talk about it already. Encounter, formation, and mission. We've got the signs out there so you don't forget it. Encounters, one moment in the presence of God can change anything and everything. How many of you guys believe that? And miracles can happen. We talked about that earlier. And then last week, we talked about mission. How many of you guys truly believe we were created to be extravagant, risk-taking conduits of God's love to the world around us? It's so important that we don't just get received, that we also give out. And you're on mission when you're using a spiritual gift, when you're serving others, when you're sharing your faith, when you're reaching out in any way, shape, or form. And we need that. But today we're going to be talking about the area of formation again, and we're going to go into some specifics in the area of formation. Formation, are, it's, it's when you begin to employ spiritual pathways, spiritual disciplines that form you into the likeness of Jesus and into the way of the kingdom of God so that you begin to have these practices, these habits, these disciplines, and they're all through scripture and they're all through Christian history. And Jesus even talked about them. This is what I call like the low and slow of the discipleship process for all of you barbecue people. This is like, this is the low and slow process. Many times it's the unseen. And so, so many of us in our circles, man, we get excited about encounter. We love encounter. And how many of you guys were at encounter night this last Thursday? Man, we had encounter with God. And we, we love mission because mission is like, I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. I mean, go into all the world, do this stuff, right? But so many of us, we get so excited about encounter and so on mission, many times we skip formation in some area of our life. And because of that, we're out there on mission, but something's missing on mission. Sometimes you hit a roadblock on mission. Sometimes you get derailed or you get a detour, or you get sidelined because you are so focused on mission. We've had an encounter. We want to be on mission and those things are essential. In fact, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about mission again because it's so essential. But we have to do these unseen things, these, uh, these iceberg type things that are unseen. And if we don't do the unseen things, then what is visible will not have the impact that it could have. And so in the Sermon on the Mount, what, this, the most famous sermon ever, Jesus seems to mention clearly three of these practices. And for some reason, he mentions, he, he demonstrates a lot of these things without commanding us to do things, but he mentions three of them here. And the three of them that he mentions are prayer, almsgiving or giving to the poor, and then fasting. And so for the next two weekends, we're going to be talking about that last one. We're going to be talking about fasting. We'll get to the others as well. But for the next two weekends, we're going to be talking about fasting. How many of you guys showed up with a smile on your face? Anybody ready for this? You see, this is why 
it's not very, some of these things aren't as fun as the others. But they are very necessary, right? They are necessary. And so what Jesus says about it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, he says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. So he's like, let's put a smile on our face. That's what Jesus is saying. For they just figure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others. Here it is again. There's some things that Jesus is saying that is very valuable in the kingdom that doesn't have to be seen by other people. It says that it may not be seen by others, but it is seen by your father who's in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Did you notice something that Jesus said in that scripture? He mentioned it two times. It's, it's, it's one word that he mentioned two times. Can anybody guess what it is? When. He says, when you fast. See, Jesus, when he talks about fasting, he assumes you're doing it. It's not an if. He's assuming that this is like a regular part of your life in some way, and that could be different for everybody, but he's assuming that if you're a follower, that you do this stuff. He says, when you fast, and he says it again, but when you fast, he doesn't say if you decide to fast or, uh, you know, but if you fast, I know what you're, he says, when you fast, and he's not talking about intermittent fasting, okay? You know, if you Google fasting right now, it's like intermittent fasting, you want to be healthy, intermittent. He's not talking about dieting, you know, fasting. He's not talking about a, a, a good way to cleanse your colon, you know, or anything like that. He's not talking about overnight fasting, also known as sleeping, like a lot of us, like, I fast every day. He's, he's talking about, well, break the fast, breakfast, I have it every day. He's talking about spiritually fasting, something that has a spiritual component to it that brings the benefit of that comes along with that. And fasting is all throughout scripture. It's all throughout from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It's not a recent invention of the church. It's not like a new thing that just started. It's not even from the early church. It's all the way back. And it's been a central part of Christian life all the way through it. And in fact, it'd be, it'd be strange if you didn't fast in ancient times all the way up through recent history. In fact, the church throughout the ages would fast every Wednesday and Thursday, sun up to sundown. It's just, it's just what you did. And then they moved it to Wednesdays and Fridays. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons why that was moved. But it was just like, I mean, it's Wednesday and Friday. You're fasting sun, sun up to sundown. That's just what you did. In fact, so much so that that was such a common practice that John Wesley, when he was looking for ministers to employ into the ministry, he would not put somebody into the ministry who didn't already have this as a practice because it was just automatic. Like, if you can't even do that, then you don't belong in the ministry. It was so foundational. That's why Jesus says, when you fast. Everyone who did anything of note in the scriptures or really throughout Christian history, fasting was a component of it. If that doesn't get your attention, then you're not listening to the sermon or maybe ignoring scriptures. But if you want to do something significant, the pattern is there. It's probably going to involve this thing called fasting. But why would we even want to fast, right? Like, what is the reason why we would fast? Well, let me give you three reasons today why I believe fasting is part of the component we need to have in our spiritual life. 
And there's probably many more, but, but I'll just hone in on these three. And the first one is connection, the word connection. When we fast, Jesus modeled this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. You can also look at Luke chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. It basically says the same thing. I said we'd be going the next few weeks and a couple months out of the book of Luke, but here it is out of the book of Matthew. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. This was right after he was baptized to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards, he was hungry. I love that part of scripture. It's like so like revelatory. It's like just saying you're going to be hungry if you do that. And so before Jesus launches his ministry, he fasts 40 days, intentional connecting, knowing he's facing temptations, but he, it's a set apart time. Here's what we have to wrestle with. If Jesus could do what he needed to do or what he was getting ready to do, if Jesus could do it without fasting, why did he fast? The answer is he obviously knew there was some level of connection and power that was connected to this practice of fasting. And so he not only knew that he needed to do it, but he also modeled it for us so that we would do it also. And if Jesus did it, how much more do we need to do those things? He knew there was power available when you fast. And so fasting is like, it's denying my hunger so that I can have a spiritual hunger. It's like not giving my hunger a place so that I can set aside time to focus on God and a hunger for God. Because you know that your flesh hungers for things. It hungers for food, for sex, for information, for success, for accomplishment, for information. All these things aren't bad, but fasting is set aside, is setting aside my natural hunger so that I can have a spiritual hunger for God. It's like saying, God, I, I want this spicy chicken deluxe sandwich. <laughs> but God, I want you more. That's what it's saying. It's like fill in the blank. I want this. I want this, whatever. But God, I'm demonstrating that I want you more. And by doing so, there's something in this act. You know, the Bible talks about worshiping the Lord with our body. You know, we can kind of, and I'm not going to, I probably need to save this for next week, but we probably need to have a healthier theology of the body, realizing that sometimes we just think, well, my, you know, I've, I, I am a spirit, I, I have a soul, and I, you know, I, I have a body, but, but it's kind of separate from me. It's just like my earth suit or my earth shell. No, the Bible talks about it in much deeper ways than that, more connected than I think our theology has allowed it to be. We are, I mean, God designed us in this and this is, this is something we are to take care of, but it's also a form that we use to worship God. Romans chapter 12 talks about worshiping the Lord with, our, with all of ourselves. right? That's all through scripture. And so fasting is just a natural extension of using a part of us to worship God in a very interesting way. And it's meant to interrupt your schedule. How many of you guys, have, if you've ever fasted, you know it's a, it interrupts your schedule, it interrupts your thought process, and it's meant to do that, to interrupt your normal routine, to set aside specific time to focus on God, and sleeping doesn't count. So generally, Elmer Towns says it this way, he says, remember that fasting does not become effective when we stop eating. That's only legalism. Fasting begins when we start praying and our effectiveness in fasting is measured by our ability to touch God and to be touched by him. And so the, the Hebrew word for fasting, the original word had to do with 
emergency. It was associated with emergency and urgency. And so here's a question for us to wrestle with. Has my relationship with God lost its urgency? Has it lost its urgency that it once had? And if so, fasting could be the thing that jolts us back awake again. It's designed to do that. Fasting is not about giving something up. It's about actually trading something in. It's, tra- it's giving up natural, it's trading in natural food for spiritual food. It's trading in maybe television for a God vision, many times, literally. So let me give you an example of this. Um, I've shared this a long time ago, but back when we were in the early years of our marriage, I drew, well, actually, when we got married, I had a little red Ford Escort hatchback. It was a a stick shift. I burned through the clutch multiple times and had to replace it. It was $500 each time I replaced it. I don't know if that's a good deal or not, but that's how much I paid. And so I budgeted for that because I was just, I mean, I just ran that thing. And so we were a couple years into the marriage and and this, I do not recommend this, okay? If you are newly married or if you are married, I don't recommend this at all. But this is what I did and I'm still married and it worked out, but it's not an example. But so yeah, mercy of God, thank you. And, uh, and so I just, one day I just, I mean, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but I, I went out to a, a car dealership and I was talking with it because I was just like looking at cars. Becca wasn't with me, wife wasn't with me. And I like, I mean, I've been driving around this little, little Ford Escort, but then I saw this brand new, it was 1999, brand new uh, Ford Mustang, you know? And there it was all shiny and everything. And, and I'm like, I'm gonna buy this car, you know? I had no business buying the car. We didn't have a budget. We didn't have anything. But somehow, you know how it is, like somehow they got me into that car. You know, let's talk to our manager. And they got me into the car. I didn't tell that. I just was, I told that, I came back and I was like, look what I bought, (laughs) a brand new car. Don't do that. But (laughs) it worked out for us. And, uh, but so I drove, man, I love that car. And our family began, like we had our son and then, you know, it, it, car seat fit in, the, fit in the back. It was very small, but it, it worked. And then we start, our family started to grow. For those of you guys who don't know, we have five kids now and our family started, started to grow. And quickly I started to realize this Mustang isn't going to work long-term. And so, man, I, I remember the day. It's like, a, it's like, I've got it just embedded in my memory the day that I had to drive that Mustang in and trade it in for a minivan. (laughs) I know, you guys are laughing at my pain right now. (laughs) And I did not come out well on that trade, I'll just tell you that. But it was like, I mean, I had to trade that thing in for a minivan. And it was like the scriptures, you know, like so in tears, you know, sort of thing. And I was just like, I mean, here we go. And, but why was I doing that? It's because I recognize that as much as I love this Mustang, this minivan is actually gonna give me access to more relationship. And so as much as, so I had to trade in something I loved so much for a vehicle that was going to give me access to more relationship that I loved more than the Mustang. That's what fasting does. Sometimes the vehicle of fasting is not as fun. 
It's not as pretty. But the vehicle of fasting, when you're fasting, you're trading in something you love for access to something you love more. And so that can be painful. That's hard to do. But it takes vision. It takes a different type of spiritual vision to be able to to see what the fruit of that is. And it's not like a spiritual merit badge that you earn. It's like, ah, I fasted, so now I get everything I want from God or anything like that. No, Jesus talked about it that way. He's like, no, it's just a deep connecting with God. And so you don't want to be the type of people, and it's a struggle. How many of you guys have ever fasted? Well, you know, I'm not going to take a show of hands, but if you've ever fasted, you know it's a struggle. If you've never fasted, you can't, you're maybe having trouble even imagine doing this, right? But it's a struggle, and sometimes we wrestle with that. And so uh, I'm going to show you guys a video right now, and it is a horrible video. It is not good quality. It's too long. It's, uh, it's, it's over the top. It's cheesy. It's just, it's just all these things. But we were looking back at it this week. It's something I showed years and years ago. And we were just like, you know, fasting is such a heavy topic. We have to lighten it up a little bit. And so we got to show this video. And so this is a video we watched a long, long time ago. And some of you guys are just going to identify with it if you've ever fasted. Or maybe if you've never fasted, you're like, this is probably what I'm going to feel like if it happens. So just for a little fun, let's watch this video. Let's go. Scheduled, Bob Travis, did we? 
No, but but if you did, I can't make it. Oh, okay. I'm fasting. I'm oh. not eating anything. Okay, that's great. Okay, okay, thank you. I appreciate the call. Honey, yeah. I okay. Six o'clock for dinner tonight, right? Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, we'll go over the numbers. Mark. Uh, Mark. Can you hold for a second, Tom? Travis? Travis? Travis, you okay, man? Rich! Good grief, can't you tell? Of course I'm not okay! I am fasting! I have not eaten anything. I haven't had breakfast, and I probably won't be able to eat lunch. Um, Mr. Bagley. Rich, I just told you I'm fasting. I can't eat anything. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, um, still half pot of coffee. so horrible but for those of you guys who have fasted before there is a little bit of something that resonates with that isn't there it's just yeah so i think one of the reasons why we may not value fasting as a means of spiritual growth is because we spill we, we many times feel a whole lot less spiritual while we're doing it how can this be bringing spiritual growth when every time I do it, I feel less spiritual when I'm doing it than when I don't do it? And in fact, that is actually part of the purpose of fasting. It seems like going backwards rather than going forward, but it's, it's in the exposure of those things that is the opportunity that is created through fasting. And so we fast, first of all, for connection the second reason why we may want to fast is for correction. There may be things in our life that need to be corrected. Joel chapter 2 verse 12 talks about, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all of your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. 
Who knows if he will turn or relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering, a drink offering for the Lord your God, blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly. See, sometimes we fast because there is something that needs to be corrected in our life. There are things in our life that need to be exposed. There are things we need to go through where you have to, it looks like you're going backwards for a moment to be able to go forward. Not to get rid of sin. How many of you guys know Jesus' blood on the cross when he died for our sins and rose from dead? He took care of our sin. But fasting many times is uh, uh, has the ability to break through our normal routine and our fleshly desire to reveal sin in our life that needs to then be dealt with. So fasting creates an opportunity of accelerated spiritual formation in that it reveals things that normally are managed by our comforts. Let me say it again. Fasting reveals an opportunity. It it creates an opportunity for accelerated spiritual growth that normally is managed by our comforts. Because whenever you're fasting, sometimes your anxiety can come to the surface. Sometimes your fears can come to the surface. Sometimes your irritability can come to the surface. You realize it was there all along. It's just coming to the surface. Now this this is just opening up our lives to reveal things that have been there that we've been able to manage. Our selfishness, our gluttony, our unhealthy cravings, our unhealthy patterns, our unhealthy alliances, our self-medications, all of these things can sometimes just be laid bare whenever we refrain for a time. And it creates an opportunity to say, hey, these things have been there all along long, you've just managed them by your comforts and by all of these other trappings around your life. And so they haven't come to the surface. Fasting then repositions your spirit to have the opportunity to be, to rule over your flesh once again. Gives this window of opportunity. And so what we're going to do, I just, I want to kind of let you guys know what we're going to do as a church We're going to go into a season of fasting here in about a week and a half. And normally, churches like ours will do things like a 21-day fast at the beginning of the year. How many of you guys have heard, like, you hear that all the time? 21-day fast at the beginning of the year. Where did that come from? I don't even know. Like, at first of the year, I guess, 21 days, maybe Daniel, I don't know. Or maybe if you're, like, really spiritual, you might also do it again at, like, the beginning of the school year. So it's like we got two 21-day fasts or something like that. And we participated in those type of things over the years. But then, you know, I, I began to read about and we began to, to hear a lot more about a season of fasting that's been a part of the church, the Christian church calendar for, for a long, long time. And many of you guys grew up in traditions where this was just part of it is the season of Lent. How many of you guys have heard of that before? Or maybe that's kind of how you grew up. Well, I didn't grow up in that tradition. I didn't grow up hearing about that. And in fact, the parts that I did hear about things like that, I always just thought, that's just like a religious thing. It's just religious activity that people are doing. And certainly there are, I'm sure, a lot of people who are just going through the motions and doing it as a religious activity. And it doesn't have life, but it's just checking a box and it may look more like legalism. And so I just always just like, well, I don't want anything to do with that. But then the more I started to pray about this year, I started to look into it more and really felt prompted to kind of align 
up with this season that's been a part of the Christian calendar for a long, long time, for many, many decades and centuries. And to say, what if, what if we didn't look at it like ritualistic, but actually redeemed it for our purpose of being able to step into something fresh and new and, and for it to come alive for us. And so we're going to start a fast on what's called Ash Wednesday, which is February 14th this year. And Ash Wednesday is the start of the season called Lent. And the season of Lent is really a time of, it's connected from, from Ash Wednesday all the way up until Easter. To Essentially, there's many different ways you could look at that, but essentially up till Easter. And it's a period of 40 days of fasting that ties back in with Jesus's 40 days of fasting in the wilderness. That's where it's derived from. And part of what you do during that time are the same three things that Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, that it involves prayer, it involves almsgiving, and it involves fasting. And it's really a season of preparation and a season of repentance where we journey with Jesus essentially to the cross. That's what it's supposed to be about. It's a season of, of reflection and looking at your heart and align and, and saying, is, is there anything that needs to be corrected in my life? And so we go into a season of fasting with that on our hearts. And it, it, I, I put it this way. Essentially, Lent is to Easter what Advent is to Christmas. So a lot of us now in our, in our culture, in our tradition, church tradition, I guess you could say, we're becoming more familiar with the idea of Advent. Advent is a season of preparation and anticipation for the coming and arrival of Jesus that we then celebrate at Christmas. And so uh, Lent is in a different way. It's also a season of preparation leading up to, towards Easter. Now, what's interesting as I begin to look into this more, and many of you guys grew up in this, and so you already know all this information. I'm like a baby in this area. But what's interesting is it's actually, as you look at the calendar, it's not 40 days. It's actually 46 days, roughly. Why is it 46 days? It's because it's not, it, it is 40 days of fasting, but you do not fast on Sundays. And the reason why you don't fast on Sundays is because that is resurrection day. And so we do not fast on Sunday, the resurrection day, because those are days set aside where we live in the time zone that is to come into the kingdom that is the not yet we live there now. And why would we fast when the bridegroom is with us? And so the Sundays are set apart as a day of celebration and feasting, essentially, because it's a time to recognize that we live in between the now and the not yet. And so we have this ability to live in the tension of both walking through the season. I think that's a beautiful picture to be able to live, to step into that on Sundays and realize, okay, it's not all about repentance, but Jesus has come and he is coming. And so as a church, we're going to enter into 40 days of fasting. And I'll explain what the, you know, what that looks like next week. And, you know, some of you guys are like 40 days without food. I don't know. That's not all that we're talking about. It's going to be a lot of different options, a lot of different varieties. That's not, that's not what we're, we're saying. Cause some of you guys are like, man, that's like, you know, that's like dying, you know, and <laughs> according to the Bible, everything that is 40 days or under is fasting. When you hit 40 days or over, you're dying. So anything under 40 days is fasting. So just biblical definitions there, okay? And so 
So we're going to talk about that next week, but I want you to go ahead and prepare your heart for that because the, the point is this, we're going to go into a season which normally we don't we don't necessarily focus on, but a season of just really reflection and repentance to say, God, is there anything in me that needs to conform more to your image? And to kind of have that attitude over a season, a series of weeks. And I think it's going to be pretty powerful. Thomas Akempis said this, he said, Jesus has many who love his heavenly kingdom, but few who bear his cross. Many want consolation, but few desire adversity. Many who are eager to share Jesus's table, but few will join him in fasting. And what we're gonna do right now is we're actually gonna join Jesus at the table as we're talking about fasting because we are connecting kind of like this is a little seed moment for us and our church leading into this season. We're gonna receive communion. I felt like we we're supposed to receive communion here in the middle of the message just as a seed moment to kind of prepare our hearts for what God wants us to do. And so we're going to take just a little moment right now and we're just going to enter into that. And I think it's entirely appropriate that we do, that we take just a moment to reflect as we think about the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus and we think about his victory on the cross and his victory over sin. Can we just take just a moment and say, God, is there any area of my life that needs correction? As I go into this season and prepare to go in this season, would you begin to highlight things in my life? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord that would I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we're gonna take the, for us, the little cracker represents the bread, represents the body of Jesus that was broken for us. We're gonna take that and have a moment there at our seat. We're gonna during the song, we're going to get up and we're going to grab the elements, go back to our seat and have a moment with Jesus. And then it says, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know, I was, I've always read that and I've always wondered, why did we say proclaim the Lord's death until he comes? Because honestly, I've always looked at communion as just like, we're, we're highlighting the victory of Jesus, the victory over sin, the victory over the, you know, his resurrection, you know, all of that stuff. And it's always kind of honestly a little bugged me that it just says, proclaim the Lord's death. And it doesn't like continue. It just says, proclaim the Lord's death. And I think as I'm looking into it in a deeper way, I'm just realizing that there is a part of this whole process that we need to enter into for a moment that maybe things in us that need, need to die, right? It's not all about like the other side. There's a process. There's a death, burial, and resurrection. And so it's entirely healthy for us to take a moment and to <clears throat> look inside and say, do I need to enter into Jesus into the death Is there something in me that needs to die? Even as a believer, there are things in us that need to go to the wayside. In fact, I know this is what is intended by this because you just have to keep reading. It says, whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. 
I know there's many different angles to this scripture, but I think it is entirely appropriate that we just take a moment to examine ourselves and to enter into this moment and say, God, I want to have connection with you, but I also want to be completely open so that you can bring correction in any area of my life. And so that's what we're getting ready to do. So we're gonna, there's tables in the back, there's tables in the front. Take these elements during this song. Have a moment with Jesus where you just sit with Jesus and maybe he'll speak something right now or maybe it's just a seed for later. But Lord, we enter into this moment and we just say, Holy Spirit, would you reveal anything? Or we just take just a moment with you and we recognize that yes, you have been victorious over sin, Satan, death, hell, and the grave. Right now we just enter into a moment of is there anything in us that needs to be corrected or repented of to realign with your ways and your kingdom? Would you reveal that to us as we come to the table in this moment in Jesus' name? Amen. Let's come and receive. Yes, yeah, so good to put ourselves in a position to be open before God. And we're going to enter into a season where we just do that more and more and more. So we, we fast for connection. We fast for correction in our life. And one more, and you know it's going to rhyme. So <laughs> we fast for direction. Connection, correction, direction. Let me just say this. The, the fulfillment of your next assignment is directly linked to your ability to be connected and corrected. The fulfillment of your next assignment, the launch of it, really, is directly connected to your ability, directly linked to your ability to be connected and corrected. When you connect with the heart of God and allow yourself to be molded into the way of God, then God releases you out. How many times in scripture do we see a season of preparation before the launch? I would say every time. I mean, I haven't counted them, but as far as I can tell, it's basically every time. But how many times do we want to skip the season of connection and correction and go right to direction? Like, what, do I, what am I supposed to do, God? What am I supposed to do? We're so focused on what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? What's next? What do you have for me next? I, I want to do what's next. Launch me out, God. But your next assignment is directly linked to your ability to be connected and corrected. Many times, I would almost say every time before there was a big launch in Scripture, there was also a big fast in Scripture because... It's a season of preparation because we need to learn how to be connected and corrected before we can be directed. When you think about Acts chapter 13, it says, as they, were as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. I mean, I could just go through example after example. Paul, at the beginning, when he was Saul, you know, as he was in that three-day period, even in his salvation process, he was fasting. Peter was fasting as he was sitting on the roof and he saw the vision that opened the door to the Gentiles in, in the book of Acts chapter 10, I believe. 
And, and you could just go on and on and on. Every, every single, uh, you know, character in the Bible that you, that is notable and throughout Christian history have been connected to a fast before they launched out into something big. Major decisions of our life. Every major decision I can think of, we went to a series, a, a, a season of prayer and fasting before we made decisions. Why? Because we wanted to make sure we were connected and that we were realigned how we should be in our thinking and our heart before we could step out into a direction. I don't feel safe unless I do some of those things because I'm putting myself in a posture to be able to hear from God clearly and not listen to my flesh as my direction. And so... Before I got married, I fasted. Before we launched this church, we went into a season of prayer and fasting. Before I, I left a church years and years ago, I went to a series of, of prayer and fasting. Before every major decision in my life, significant seasons in my life, and we've done those 21-day fasts here at the church. 21 days, no food. <laughs> like many of you guys have been on that journey with us. We've done it like three times, I think. And I, I, th I found it odd last night. I couldn't remember whether we'd done it two or three times. You'd think I would know, right? But I don't remember We've done that two or three times. I believe it's three times. And I remember distinctly one of the times we were like 19 days into the fast, like no food, you know, and I was in a, in a group setting, a small group. And I'm like, I was like, yeah, we're 19 days into this fast and no food. And somebody looks at me and they go, can you survive 19 days with no food? I'm the answer to that question. <laughs> yes, you can. In fact, for those of you guys who are wondering about fasting, like, man, is, can you do that sort of thing? Uh, one of the fasts, I, on day 20, I was out running three miles because your body, God designed your body in, in to do way more than you think it is. In fact, you could look at all the health benefits and all these things and stuff. And I know it's different for every person and we're going to get into that. And the option is not the, you know, you may have health issues as to why that doesn't work for you. But what I'm saying is that every major season in my life, I've gone through a season of prayer and fasting. And sometimes, and some of this may not make sense to people, but I can tell you I've been on day 14, 15, or 16 on the fast and have had enormous clarity and connection with God. Where decisions that were hard to make all of a sudden became easy. Where wisdom that seemed to elude my grasp all of a sudden was right there on the tip of my tongue. I mean, enormous. And you wouldn't think so because you'd think you'd be so, you know, distracted by it. But I'm telling you, the scriptures are true. The Bible's true. There's a reason why many people go on fast is because something happens there and you don't even know why. It's just walking it out in obedience. And, and I've had amazing times on fast. And I can tell you, I'm honestly so excited. I told our ministry leaders just the other day, I was like, I am so excited about fasting. And the reason why I'm excited is because I've done this so many times. I know the power in it and I know what happens when you do it. So I'm excited about this. But honestly, there's other times I've been on a fast like that or long or short, nothing. I don't hear nothing. I just got a headache the whole time, you know, and that's it. That's all I got out of it. But I was putting myself in a position to walk in obedience. And that's what we're called to do, to put ourselves in the position to walk in obedience. Someone once said, I heard this this last week, that dieting changes the way we look but fasting changes the way we see. I think that's true. I've experienced that. I've experienced the, that I see different. 
And so when we're talking about fasting, you don't fast to get something. You fast to become someone. You don't fast to get something. Oh, God, I, got, I want to get this thing. I want to get this thing. I want to have this thing. Yeah, the Bible talks about breakthrough. Breakthrough can happen because of a fast. Answers can come because of a fast. Many times they do. But we're not fasting to get something or to make God do something or any of that type of thing. We're just fasting to become the person we need to be. Because again, we are so obsessed with what do I do, God? What do I do? What do I do in life? What do I, what's my next step? Some of you right now are so consumed with what you're supposed to do with God's plan and the next step and then all this type of stuff. And we're so consumed with what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And so it's like some of you might be excited about like, I, I want to be a part of a fast because God's going to tell me what to do. And, and then I'm going to get the answer and then I'm going to start doing it. And it's going to be awesome. But here, here's the thing. I've learned a long time ago, I, I got so obsessed with what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? And then God would tell me what I, what I was supposed to do. And then I, I had skipped the formation process and I'm out doing it and it's, it's not working out so well. That I started to understand that when God does tell me like and reveal, okay, here's what's next. My new question at that point is not what do I do or it's not how do I do what he said to do. It's actually what kind of person do I need to become to do what God is asking me to do? Because it's not about just me doing something. What kind of person do I need to become? And fasting gives us this opportunity. It's part of this inner work of becoming the type of person you need to be to do what you need to do. So it's about asking the right questions. Worship team, you guys can come back up. We're going to explore all of this next week on all the different kinds of options and all these types of things that you can do. You know, I heard it this way. I'll see if I can get this right on the fly. It's not in my notes, but many times we go into a fast or a prayer time and, and we're like, we have a, a question. You're like, okay, I'm going into this fast and I want God to answer my question. You know, what is it? What is it? What am I supposed to do? Or who am I supposed to marry? Or what am I supposed to, you know, whatever it is. Many times you go into a fast with a question on your mind and you don't get the answer to that question. But God gives you the answer to the question you should have asked. But see, you have to go into it, not holding on like this, but just saying, God, I'm open to you. Just do what you want to do in me. I'm not here to get something. I'm here to become someone. I'm here to become someone who looks a lot more like you when I'm out on the other side of this. And so would you guys just pray as you, over the next few days, would you just pray about if you're to participate over the next 40 days and as it starts on Ash Wednesday? And again, I'll give you some ideas and suggestions next week, but would you just begin to be open and say, God, is there something you're, you're wanting me to do and participate in this season of fasting? because there is power in unity. And when a people move together, God tends to move. We've seen it over and over again. And when you have a group of people like this who decide we're gonna move somewhere together, God tends to move, stuff starts to happen. And so we wanna just put ourselves in a posture of that. Can anybody, get, can anybody just admit, maybe you're a little bit more excited about fasting than when we started this sermon. I am. I preached this message twice. Now I get to do it one more time. And every time I preach it, I'm just a little bit more excited. Let's stand up and let's prepare our hearts to respond and worship. Lord, we, 
we just want to draw near to you. We just want to, we want to draw near to you. Lord, help us to be the type of people who are connected and able to be corrected so that we could be directed into your ways and your purposes for life. Let that be our heart today. Lord, you're so good to us. You're so good. You're so good. We just want to be near you more. The trade-in is worth it. Trading in something we may value so much, but the relationship is so much more valuable. And so Lord, help us to see, have eyes to see like that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.